Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is another episode of the Bunker Boys here on Jack Wagon Sports. Uh, we had a great tournament over the weekend. Uh, absolutely thrilling finish uh, with a playoff. Uh, you just can't beat it. We had the Valspar Championship at the Innsbruck Resort in Palm Harbor, Florida, otherwise known as the Copperhead Course. Uh, absolutely beautiful course there. Uh, our top five, um, we had Brian Harmon and Matt Fitzpatrick, along with a bunch of other guys tied for fifth at 14 under. Uh, we had Justin Thomas and Matthew Naismith uh, tied at 16 under uh, for third. Uh, and then Sam Burns and Davis Riley uh, were the two guys that finished 17 under um, on the 18th hole and went to a playoff. Sam Burns comes out victorious, uh, sinking a beautiful birdie putt, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, third, speaking of Sam Burns, on Thursday, uh, he was shown the field that he was a serious contender to defend uh, his championship last year at the Valspar. Uh, he carded an open round 7 under, 64 to be tied for the lead. He shared the lead after Thursday with past champion Adam Hadwin and well-traveled David Lipsky and Jonathan Vegas, uh, who had a bounce back of his own variety. Justin Thomas was two shots back at 5 under, and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka led a large group at 4 under. Yeah, like you had said, um, Sam Burns was a serious, serious about defending his title here from Thursday. Uh, Jonathan Vegas, last week, he was on 17, and he put two balls in the water that ended up making him miss the cut, so definitely a big turnaround for him for this week. The second round on Friday was all about Matthew Naismith, though, who tied the course record at 10 under, 61, and a two-shot lead at 14 under going into the weekend. Adam Hadwin shot a 66 and was two shots back from the lead. And Sam, Burn, Sam Burns remained in the hunt, carding a rugged 67 to put him three shots back from the lead. Justin Thomas finished this Friday, or his Friday, round four shots back from the lead. Yeah, uh, it was really cool to see Justin Thomas up there on the leaderboard again. Um, I mean, he had some great moments at the Players' Championship last week, but um, seems like overall he's been not terrible, but you know, definitely not at like the top of his game. Um, and it's always exciting to see a big name like that at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, I feel like it brings a lot more fans in to watch um, and just overall more enjoyable. Um, so I was really happy to see his name up there. And again, Kepka, uh, you know, being a fan of him, he was playing really well. I was glad to see him, you know, again, bounce back from that horrible weekend he had last week um, and, and play as well as he did on, on some of these rounds. Uh, tour rookie Davis Riley rolled to a 62 on Saturday for a two-shot lead over Matthew Naismith at 18 under. Uh, Naismith shot a 69. Thomas shot for the third consecutive round a 66 to be tied with Sam Burns, three shots back from the lead going into Sunday. The only other player within five shots of lead was Adam Hadwin at 13 under. Yeah, that. There was just records being set, it seemed like, each day. On uh, Friday, you had said, or we had said Naismith, he tied the course record at 10 under, and then the very next day, um, Davis Riley tied the, or he beat the 54-hole uh, record, so it was great. Um, Sunday's round was coming to an end after Burns and Riley had a pretty pretty normal round. They, um, Burns was two under, and Riley was one over for the for the day. They uh, came in tied at 17-under after 18. Burns and Riley then head to a playoff where 
Burns would end up draining a 30-foot putt to win the playoff hole and complete the defending of the Valspar Championship. Yeah. Um, it, it's always exciting when golf goes to a playoff, uh, and these two guys provided a lot of excitement. Uh, I really thought I had Justin Thomas winning this going into Sunday. Uh, he was right there in striking position. He had shot great. I mean, not that he shot terrible on, on Sunday. Um, but Sam Burns came out just firing and you know, ends up winning. Uh, one thing we didn't mention, uh, just real quick, just a couple key names that missed the cut this week. Uh, Sam Ryder and Keegan Bradley, who finished, I believe, second uh, last week at the Players, and then also Bubba Watson. Um, just a few of the big names that missed. Uh, there's a bunch more notable names in there that missed the cut this week. Um, but the Florida swing is now over. Um, and with that, we will update you on the FedEx Cup top 10. Tenth uh, place, we have Max Homa sitting at 808 points. Ninth is Joaquin Neiman at 835. Eighth is Sung J M at 800, or excuse me, 946. Uh, seventh is Victor Hovland at 1,027 points. Uh, Taylor Gooch is sixth at 1,093. Tom Hodge, 1,162. Hideki Matsuyama, 1,321. Cameron Smith drops back to third uh, with 1,354. Uh, Sam Burns jumps all the way up to second with 1,390. And Scotty Scheffler still leads the way with 1,620. Uh, I believe only two guys in the top 10 played this week. Uh, a lot of them taking the week off after a brutal week at the players. Uh, very understandable. Uh, Cameron Smith especially, he wanted to uh, spend a lot of time with his family. So he was out this week and also be out. Uh, this upcoming week at the, the World Golf Championships match play. Um, so very understandable. But, uh, yeah, not a lot of movement this week, except for Sam Burns making that huge jump after the win. Um, just just give me your final thoughts on, on the tournament and what you thought of it, Slade, and, and we'll move on. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I think it was great that last week we had, the big talk was the weather, and this week we had, Defend a defending champion and a playoff to end it. So it was just great the last two weeks to be able to see some great golf and and real exciting play. Yeah, um, it, it was nice to see a little bit you know more normal golf situation. Um, but yeah, uh, overall just a great all around tournament uh, at a beautiful course. I mean, it you can't be watching golf there again another course i would love to visit sometime just to even watch these guys play um but yeah now we're going to shift over to this week's tournament uh slade why don't you you set it up for us here yeah so this upcoming week is the world golf championships dell technologies match play the defending champion is billy horschel and we're going to get into like how the tournament works kind of so the tournament has a field of 64 players filled based upon the following criteria the top 64 players from the official World Golf Rankings 10 days prior to the event. If anyone within the top 64 is not available, the field is filled by the next highest ranked player in the official World Golf Rankings. And here's the format if you want to get us into that, George. Yeah, um, this is basically uh, golf's answer to March Madness. And it's really cool how they do this. Um, so what they do on Wednesday through Friday... Uh, is they split the players into 16 groups of four. Uh, each group has players seated 1 through 16. The next group is 17 through 32. After that, it's 33 to 48. And then after that, it's 49 to 64. 
Uh, each group plays in a round-robin format over Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. One point is awarded for a win and one point for a tie, uh, or excuse me, one half point for a tie, with the only group winner qualifying to go to the next round. If two more players are tied at the top of a group, there's a sudden death stroke play tiebreaker to decide who will progress. Uh, the second phase is played as a knockout tournament, with a round of 16 and quarterfinals played on Saturday, and the semifinal, third place playoff, and final all played on Sunday. Uh, all of these matches are played over 18 holes. Um, so again, it it brings a lot of excitement. Um, you get to see a, an extra little competitive edge as these guys are going one-on-one against each other rather than against the whole field. Um, it's super entertaining to watch. Um, they do this at the, the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup as well. Um, this is just one of the formats that they include in that is match play. Um, so definitely something to, to go check out if you need a little break from the basketball this upcoming weekend. Uh, or to you know, you want to watch Wednesday and Thursday to get your motor going for the weekend. Watch all the basketball. Uh, definitely go check it out. It is a lot of fun. Uh, so as always, we're gonna go over the course layout here with you guys real quick. Um, brought to you by the PGA Tour app. We can't thank them enough for doing this because otherwise, uh, we have to write it and it's just it comes out terrible. Uh, so hole one is known as a lot. Or excuse me, we're playing at the Austin Country Club. Did forget to mention that. Um, to go over this real quick. Hole one is known as the Last Mesa. Uh, it is a par four sitting at 394 yards. This hole goes almost to the brink of Deer Creek's Canyon. The narrow plateau at the back of the green is the Last Mesa before the downslope to the canyon. If you go over the screen, you may set up, but not often will you get up and down into. Hole two is called Earth's Edge. It's a par four at 470 yards. There's no land in sight between the tee and the, distance and the distant landing area. Then, all along the fairway's left side and around the green is a rubbled slope of limestone pieces up, or stacked to shore up the edge of the earth. Otherwise, your ball will surely fall into Deer Creek Cannon. Hole 3 is known as Deer Creek. It's a par 4 sitting at 440 yards. Again, Deer Creek runs down the left side of the fairway but on this hole, it crosses in front of the green as well. From the back tees, drive along the fairways to the valley to give yourself a decent chance to carry the creek crossing. Crowding the fairway bunker to the left is the shortest route. Hole number four is known as the Slippery Knoll. It's a par three at 185 yards. The green for this one short hole atop a knoll between Deer Creek and its tributary Fawn Creek is terenced and sloped. It is a slippery, formidable putting challenge. Hole 5, known as Chopperl Hop, is a par 4 sitting at 374 yards. This is roadrunner country. Even the reluctant flyer in its course towards the green would go airborne with a long, fluttering hop rather than run through the grassy putt in front of the green. Your approach shot should do the same. Hole 6 is known as Cat Mountain. It's a par 5 at 590 yards. Only the longest drives will reach the beginning of the long downslope to the green. If you are too short of the crest, you won't be able to see your target. Cat Mountain is the highest point on the horizon ahead. A good line is slightly left of the peak. Hole number 7 is known as <laughs> Tonkawa Sands. It's a par 3 sitting at 201 yards. 
The sand of the course largest bunker run from T to green and around the green to the right. Hole number eight is called Tumble Slope. It's a par four, 498 yards. Your drive will tumble right and the second will tumble left, unless hit high and long enough to carry all the way to the green. Always with your drive, the most often with your yeah, always with your drive, the most often with your second. Align your shot to bar from the high side. Hole nine is known as Glen Satan. Uh, is a par four at four hundred and ninety yards. The canyon partially fronts the green and continues all along its left side. From the back tees at four hundred and seventy five yards, you will have done well to leave an approach of only 215 yards or so. From there, high on a hill looking down at the green, you will see a dramatic second shot vista. A bailout right is not much of a bargain, short or left, and Satan's got you down deep in the dark green or in the dark glen. Damn, Satan. <laughs> hole 10 is called Take Dead Aim. It's a par 4 at 393 yards. Harvey Pennick frequently served as starter after retiring as head professional. He would offer the advice, take dead aim on the first tee. The course demands the, player concentr the player's concentration and thoughtful attention. Hole 11 is known as a lime cup. Uh, this is an absolutely beautiful hole. Uh, it's a par 3 at 194 yards. The target here is a basin cupped in the hillside across the pond. The green's hollow and shored up pond side by limestone slippers. Even the drop area required limestone shoring. When you finally reach the green, you're met by the soothing drone of a waterfall. Hole 12 is called Iron Bridge. It's a par 5 at 578 yards, playing down the slope toward the iron arch of the bridge across Lake Austin. A strong second shot aligned anywhere outside of the span of the arch will likely find water. Hole 13, known as Cape Thigh, is a par 4 at 317 yards. On the shortest par 4 in the course, Designer Pete Dye tempts you leftwards to a green astride a cape jutting into a small lake. The adventurous shot may die in the watery grave. The prudent golfer may want to circle in from the right. Hole 14 is called Loch McDonald. <laughs> Par 4 at 465 yards. The waves of Loch McDonald, the first of the large Colorado River lakes, once washed the banks forming the left side of this hole until the massive 1900 flood did the old dam in. Hole 15 is called Puzzle Landing. Par 4, sitting at 440 yards. If you could lock down this fairway from an aerial perspective, you would discern the shape of a question mark. But the view from the ground level is a puzzle where to land. Shape it to the left. Shape it left to right if you can, but if it starts left, if you don't overdo the fade, your drive will continue down the fairway. Overdo it, and you are in the sandy wasteland's right. But a draw carrying the sand will roll through to the left rough. It's like the longest running run-on <laughs> sentence I've ever seen. <laughs> Hole number 16 is called Highland Pass. It's a par 5 at 565 yards. On this transition hole from the lakeside lowlands to the highlands, play your second shot through the pass, the slot between the hills. To reach the upslope short of the green. Hole 17 is known as Windy Cove. It's a par 3 at 150 yards. Look left and down to see the lake's cove. The green lies cupped around a, by a hillside which blocks the prevailing southeasterly winds at ground level but not up high. 
Although the flag may hang limp from staff, the wise will consider the name of the cove before making their club selection. Hole number 18 is called Two Chimneys. It's a par 4, 368 yards. Look toward the clubhouse. The chimney on the right is your best line, but the one on the left will do. The fairway slope moves your ball right. So yeah, uh, that is your beautiful course. course. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Um, definitely look at these pictures, but <laughs> I don't think it's going to be uh, very fun for some of these guys to play. Um, hopefully the weather's not as severe as it was with the players. Otherwise, we're going to see just as many balls in the water as we did there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really fun course. Uh, definitely very challenging. Um, it brings out the best in these guys. Uh, so if you have time this weekend, make sure you're, or, you know, don't make time this weekend to go over and, and check out some of that match play. Um, it's a lot of fun to see how they, they set up this tournament and watch everybody go through the knockout stages, especially over the weekend. Um, so that gets you ready for this weekend. And as always, uh, we're bringing you our term of the week and our player profile uh, brought to you by our buddy Sam. Uh, who also shot an 83 this weekend. Uh, so very admirable of him. Congratulations, Sam. Uh, our term of the week is a penalty. Uh, a penalty or a penalty stroke is an additional stroke or strokes added to a player's score for infraction of the rules. In match play, rather than adding strokes, the usual penalty is loss of a hole, except for penalties assessed for relief from a hazard or a lost ball. Yeah, I get a lot of those penalty shots. <laughs> the, the player profile for the week is Daniel Berger. He's a 28-year-old from Jupiter, Florida. He attended Florida State and turned pro in 2013. He has four career victories, two at the St. Jude Classic in 2016 and 17. He's the 2020 Charles Schwab Classic champ and the 2021 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am champ. He's currently ranked 65th in the FedEx Cup standings and 21st in the world. Yeah, see, I knew I didn't like him, and here he he went to Florida State, so I I knew there was something <laughs> wrong with him. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that is your your player profile and your term of the week, as always. Uh, thank you, Sam. Um, that will wrap up our show for this week. Actually, um, not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, excited to talk about the uh, the match play championship with you guys next week. Uh, and go over the exciting format uh, and how it unfolded over the weekend. Um, again, go check that out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, as always, go check out our other podcasts and our merch store. Uh, Bunker Boys merch is up. Um, so go get some of that. Uh, other than that, I think that's everything we got. Slade, you got anything? Yeah, I'd just say that once the the uh, people that are going to be playing the bracket this weekend come out, we'll put it on the Jack Wagon Sports Twitter and for people to see and be able to kind of figure out what their idea is for who they think is going to come out victorious. Yeah. Uh, also, if you want go over to the PGA tour app, uh, once the bracket is announced, you can go over there and fill out your bracket uh, and, and see how, how smart you are. Um, you know, it could be fun, especially if you're, if your March madness brackets already busted like mine. Um, so yeah, go check that out. Uh, like I said, I'd be on the lookout for um, us to post some of those matchups and see who you think is going to win. Uh, other than that, that's everything we got. Um, so we'll see you back here next day to wrap up um, that tournament. I think that's all. So everybody yep. have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next week. See you next week.